guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Drea. Hi, everyone. You guys are at our first live recording. Yes. Thank you so much for this coming. First, first ever. Normally, some, we can be in pajamas sometimes. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> during the during the like holiday like winter episodes when we made like warm drinks, we'd like show up in matching pajamas on accident. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, yeah. We did, definitely didn't coordinate. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for Rick for having us here at his anniversary party. Uh, we met him at Bite of Ben. Woo! Yeah, give it up for Rick. Woo! Isn't their facility amazing? I love this place. You had already come out with Kimry before. I think this spot is so cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we'll kind of explain it. Um, again, my name's Drea. My name is Jackie. And we have a true crime drinking podcast. So every week we pick a different cocktail and we talk about how to make that cocktail, what goes into it, the origin story, mm-hmm. and then that kind of inspires the stories that we pick to tell that week. And we'll we'll tie our story in either based on what's in it or name. We kind of take a different take each week. Um, let's talk about the cocktail. All so right. the first one up is going to be the gin greyhound. So when you, I first read about this one, I went, well, gin's not in a greyhound. It's a vodka. It's a vodka greyhound. And I was a little, I was like, balsamics are where you're going to get the flavor. Like the whole thing. Cause I love greyhounds and we made it in Kimberly's kitchen. And I went, Oh, I don't know where these flavors are coming from, but it, it, it is a greyhound. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. Cause I think when I was telling you, yeah, it has balsamic from Navides in it. You're like, Oh, balsamic. Yeah. I was, are a, little, you serious? <laughs> I was a little, I was like, just wait, just wait, just wait. And yeah, they, which one, what flavor is this? Oh, the grapefruit one. Yeah. And like, it's, a lower calorie, a little bit healthier version yeah. of your traditional Greyhound. So I definitely recommend. You don't have recommend. a bunch of simple syrups. You don't have yeah. a bunch of soda. Again, don't just go run out and buy a random balsamic. Make sure it's a flavored one because <laughs> yeah. uh, you're going to have a bad time. So uh, if you're in Ben, check out Navidi's. I don't know if they're online. I don't know. Yeah. They're definitely downtown. Yeah. Um, but if you can make this cocktail, definitely do. It's super yummy. All right. So uh, from New Basin, what they're throwing in there is their Stagger Gin. So like I said, it's a little bit, it's a unique take. Normally you're gonna make it out of uh, vodka. All right, Drea. Yeah. Listeners, I'm gonna tell you about Ernest Larry Pletch. Perfect. And by the way, this is the true crime coming on. So if you're squeamish, maybe cover your ears. Yeah. Cause here we go. All right, so Larry was born in Frankfurt, Indiana in 1910. Ooh, we're doing an oldie. It's an oldie. All right. Uh, Larry's father was a well-to-do farmer uh, and a county legislator. Uh, But Larry didn't really want to follow in the footsteps of his father. He wasn't really interested in working on the farm. Uh, People, he kind of had a reputation as being a genius with machinery. uh, And more often than not, he would be found tinkering on cars and farm equipment and not really pulling his own weight around the farm. Uh, He was obsessed with the idea of flying. Flying was a relatively new thing you just had them going around the world like they're setting all these like plane records um so it's very exciting kind of like how space travel would have been exciting uh back in the 60s so he's obsessed with this idea of flying um and he begs his father to buy him a plane and his dad says uh if you finish high school i'll buy you a plane is this like 
Daddy, I like a pony. Yeah. Okay. This is like the That's boy absurd. plane version of that. Okay. So he wants a plane, and his dad, obviously, he's, a, like, he's doing well enough at this farm. He's like, yeah, if you finish high school, I'll buy you a plane. So he promptly drops out of high school. Oh, you're not going to get the plane. <laughs> That's not how that works. Okay. Uh, so in 1926, he's now about 16 years old, uh, Larry gets married. So he's dropped out of high school. He marries this gal. And by all accounts, he kind of is living a decent living. He's a mechanic, and he just kind of starts living as an adult. Um, he ends up getting a job. So he's still fascinated with uh, flying planes and all that. By the time he gets to be 25, so he's in like 1935-ish now, he starts voraciously reading about flying. How do I fly? He starts going to air shows. Again, he's still obsessed with it. If um, only he, you had finished high school. You could have you could a, plane. a plane. Okay. Uh, he ends up getting a job with the Royal American Shows. So it's this enormous traveling like fun fair um, that tours all throughout the United States and Canada uh, for nine months out of the year. It claims uh, itself as both the most beautiful show on earth and as the proud possessor uh, of the world's largest midway. Midway? Midway. Wow. Uh, the attractions that you would have seen with it, like there's girly shows, uh, there's... Uh, At the air show? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like a traveling... It's not a circus, but it's like a... They call it a fun fair. Oh, okay. So it's an assortment of things. Um, so it travels all over and he gets a job. At one point when it was at its height of popularity, uh, it had its own special train to travel and it would be almost 100 carriages long. Whoa. Yeah. Can you imagine like getting stuck at that railroad? <laughs> You're like, I have to get to work. I know I didn't plan my morning, right? But like, I need to leave. That the, would take bridge, forever. the bridges are up. And then they stop. And then you're just, oh, okay, sorry, my frustration. With I think the you've been stuck behind a train before. Many times. <laughs> Haven't you guys? It's the worst. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so he starts doing that. And after about three years or so, he decides that he's learned all he can learn from books. It's time to fly a real plane. Mm. Um, so he goes back to his hometown, Frankfurt, Indiana. And he's and like, I'm going to finish high school. He steals no. a plane in the middle of the night. No. <laughs> Yeah, so uh. he steals it and he flies it all over the, like, yeah, it's three in the morning. Okay. He flies it and he lands it in this big empty field. And he's like, all right, cool. I know how to fly now. So he assumes that the plane is going to be reported as stolen. So he's like, I'll just fly around some more. So then he takes off again, flies around a little bit more, uh, gets back. And he's like, all right, no one knows that it was me. No one knows that I did it. Um, but now I can tell the royal, this, like, fair that I travel around with that I'm a pilot. Okay. So he gets hired on as a pilot. Oh, no. Um, and he starts doing loop-de-loops and barrel what? rolls, and he's a stunt pilot. No training. No. Well, Can you read, imagine that first, like, oh. He read like, a bunch, oh and he'd no. stolen a plane once. So he starts traveling around with them, doing all these shows, and he starts getting uh, passengers. So he'll take people no. up. No. Yeah. Huh. So he'll take people up for rides and take them around and do all the, and, like, do sightseeing, little little stuff. Um, at one On one of these, he picks up this gal, and her name is Goldie Gherkin. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah. Goldie Gherkin. Goldie Gherkin. Goldie Gherkin. She's 17 years old, and oh, he no. is enamored no. with her. How old is he now? He's probably 26, 27-ish. Oh, no, he's 29, excuse me. He's 29, pretending to be 24, and he's uh, flying under the name Larry Thompson. Why? Because I think they know about the stolen plane okay. and he's trying to kind of stay away from this Pletcher name. Okay. So he's going by a different name. He's saying he's a couple years younger and he's into this young gal. So he 
abducts her. They go no. on this like five. Wait, she day, doesn't like him back. She, she does, but she doesn't. Not to them. Okay. Yeah. So they're gone for five days. He's they're flying all around, and he keeps proposing. And he keeps proposing in the air. Yeah. Hey, you I have know, another question for you. The implication. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a nightmare. So uh, at one point, he's like. I'm serious. You got to marry me. And she goes, uh, she like turns him down for good. So that's ballsy. I was in like, yeah, let's get married. Let's get on the ground. Let's get married now and just so run. They're on the ground. Okay. They're in a, in a field. She's over by a tree. And he's like, well, you know what? If you're not going to marry me, bye. No. And he just takes off, just leaves her in this field. Oh, okay. That's fine. So her parents who've now been looking for her for a week or so okay. find her. And the police come over and they're like, Hey, what's, you know, you just got kidnapped. What's the deal? And the parents are like, you know what? He was a gentleman. He took care of her daughter for five days. Are you? We don't want to press. We don't want to press any charges. No. We have her back safe and sound. No. Um, it was just a romantic thing, and he and we're just not going to. And the police were like, "Cool idea, but we're still going to like." He okay. stole a plane. He kidnapped a girl. We're still going to press charges. So they root him down. They find him. They catch him. They bring him in. Uh, he posts bail, and then he's back out in the wind, being a crazy person. So. Uh, oh, and like there's all the like local papers love like they call him the flying Romeo. Oh my god Like they write these little things about how he stole this plane and he abducted this girl Romanticizing um, it. So his trial is set for the end of October. Okay um, So he rejoins the royal show and he's doing all that stuff um, And he finds a new woman and marries her um, But she's not his second wife. She's his third wife There's a second wife in there that like by records they know that he has but there isn't much story there so we don't okay. know when like that quick... happened yeah okay so he's been married once to the to a young gal in the beginning then he marries this other gal there's gonna be a couple marriages that romantic. Yeah. all in airplanes uh airplanes are a lot of this oh that's my tie stagger gin the stagger of a plane refers to how the wings are in correlation to each other oh man so there's my tie. Dude, I love it. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I almost blew past it. Do we agree on a noise we were going to make when the tie comes up? Woo. Boing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll workshop it. Yeah, yeah. We got this. Okay. So he marries this other woman. Then that only lasts a couple days because he robs her. And she's like, I'm not going to be married to you. And she leaves. So she's gone. And about a month, he doesn't really care for about a month or so. And then a month later, he's like, you know what? I got to go find my wife. So, it, depending on who you ask, he either borrowed his sister's car or he stole it. I think he stole it. Yeah, yeah. so he steals his sister's car and he's like, I got to go find my wife. So, he goes driving off and he gets back. I think he's in, uh, he's in Missouri now at this point. So, he gets himself to Brookfield, Missouri. Okay. And he's kind of looking for his wife, but then his eye gets caught because there is this guy who's offering pilot's lessons. And he's like, ooh, I should probably actually learn how to fly. But you could do loop-de-loops. You got it made. I mean. You know everything. He, but he loves planes, and here's another opportunity to fly. Okay. So on October 27th, 1939, he's in Brookfield, uh, Missouri. He meets a man named Carl Bivens. So Carl's 39. He's a flight instructor, and he takes people out in his friend's two-seater Taylor Cub monoplane. It's painted this, like, super bright yellow. It's very eye-catching. Um, it's been fitted with dual controls. So there's a person in front and a person in back, but both of you have control of the airplane. So mind you, we're in late October. He's supposed to be on trial for kidnapping that girl and stealing a plane. Oh, I forgot about that already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so much has happened. Meanwhile, he's just taking more pilot's lessons. 
He's doing what he loves. You know, he's following his he, passion. You know, he's been said to say that he want, he likes flying more than eating. Uh, you know, his heart just soars. He just belongs <laughs> in the sky. He's a lover. Yeah. Um, so it's going really well. So they go up, they do like two little lessons. So he's gone on two separate flights with them. This is all on the same day. Um, and according to Larry, Carl said that he had a natural ability and that he should follow a career in aviation. He's like, this pilot says, I'm the- You have a real knack. Yeah, I'm the bee's knees. So they go out on their third lesson. So he wouldn't take him out on the third lesson if the other two hadn't gone so well. But Carl's like, you know what? You've got, this is aces. Let's take you up again. So it's about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. They're about 40 minutes into the flight. They're cruising at about 5,000 feet. And Carl is instructing from the front. Larry's behind him. And with no warning and no provocation, Larry pulls a pistol from his pocket. What? And shoots Carl in the head. In the air? While they're flying. In the... I'm going <laughs> to... What? Why? It's do it a, on the ground. It's a bold, I mean, don't do it's it. It's a bold don't, move. Like, don't... So this is, a, this is a quote from Larry. I had a revolver in my pocket. Without saying a word to him, I took it out of my overalls and I fired a bullet in the back of his head. He never knew what struck him. The ship began to pitch and then to dive. It went crazy. I remember reading about a dying man stiffening at the controls. Then I fired another shot into his head. I reached forward and I pulled his body straight from the controls. After a few seconds, I got the plane straightened out. So all this started at 5,000 feet. He pulls it out at about 1,500 feet. And now he's in control of the plane, and he's got this dead body he has to deal with. That's crazy. It's nuts. What? Okay. Why? So he lands in a field near Cherry Box, Missouri. Okay. Um, he pulls Carl out of the plane, goes and hides him in the bushes. Then he gets back into the plane and flies back to his hometown up in Frankfurt, Missouri. Or excuse me, Frankfurt, Indiana. Um, he lands in another field, and he spends the night in some farmer's barn. Um, then he gets back in his plane, and he starts flying circles around. Because it's his plane now. It's his. Yeah, yeah. He is a decaptain now. <laughs> oh, my God. So he starts flying circles around his family farm. Yeah. And he says that he had every intention of crashing the plane into his dad's barn as, like, a last little F like you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he kind of loses his nerve, and he's like, no, I don't really want to die, and he just flies off. <laughs> so now he's just still flying, and he ends up landing in a cow pasture that belongs to Meredith Dillman. So this is outside Bloomington. This is in Indiana. This is kind of, uh, he lands. The family sees that these little kids see the plane. Everyone's super stoked on this because you just don't see planes, especially cool little bright colored planes flying that low and like landing in your neighbor's backyard. Yeah. So they go to investigate. They come up and he's crawling out of the plane and he's got blood all over his overalls. And they're like, hey, what's going on? And he goes, oh, I got a nosebleed from the altitude. Okay. And they all buy it. They're like, I mean, they don't know about you? flying. I feel like I, There's like, no body. Like, he just has this blood. He accounts for the blood. Yeah. And he's like, uh, is there any place to eat around here? And they go, oh, well, you got to head down to uh, Williams and Wampler General Store. What? Williams and Wampler. Wamplers? Wampler. Perfect. Um, you, you can get a hamburger and a coffee. Like, they've got a little, like, lunch counter. So he's like, all right, cool. So then he takes off, and he heads over there. So there's a switchboard operator, because this is back in switchboard operator days, and she's getting all these phone calls from people that live locally, and they're going, we just saw an airplane, we just saw an airplane, it landed in such and such's farm. Wait, what are they, who are they calling to tell? Well, you can't just call the police, you have to call the operator. Oh, they're calling the police. I thought the they were like, Mary Jane, you'll never believe what I just <laughs> saw. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> so they're calling the operator, and the operator's like, 
okay, okay. So she feel, she's fielding all these calls. And in the meantime, she's listening to like a college football game on the radio. And they break in with this news report that's like, there's a suspected murderer who's flying around in a stolen plane. And she's like, it's got to be the guy. Ding. So she calls the police and she's like, hey, I just heard this thing on the radio. All these people are saying this is where the plane is. The police go out. They get to the farm. They talk to Mrs. Dillard. And she's like, oh, yeah, he had blood all over him. And like, we sent him over to Wamplers. So they called Wamplers and they get the, I think it's like a one man operation. So he's sitting there flipping burgers, he answers the phone and they're like, hey, uh, only say yes or no. Like, don't talk to us, yeah. just say yes or no. Do you have a man sitting at the counter wearing overalls? Yes, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, they're like okay, he's still there. Um, we need you to stall, we're on our way. Make this take as long as you can. So he like moves the burger over onto like a colder part of the, so he's like slow playing, building this oh, burger. Oh no, I burned it again. Oh, let oh, me start whoops. over. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, did you, let me get that from the back of the walk-in. So he's slowing it down. The police show up, they catch him. Awesome. There's no to-do, there's no standoff. Yeah. He's just like, oh, all right. So he goes with them and he's got the gun on him. There's not a lot, like he's just kind of saying, no, I didn't do, like his story changes a ton. He'll say that they were in cahoots with each other. They were trying to steal the plane from the friend and take it to Mexico. They were trying to test a new type of gasoline to see how long it can and last. I shot him in the back of the head. Yeah, and okay. then eventually he finally just says, you know what, I don't know what came over me. I just decided to do it. <sighs> so the wife of Carl, so the wife of the man who died, she says, you know what? One. Yeah, she goes, I, you guys are going to put him in the gas chamber. You're going to I don't want another person to lose their life. If he has life in prison with no opportunity for parole or a pardon or anything like that, that's what I want as the victim. And they go, all right. So they make this deal. Cool. That's what it'll be. And that's what everyone thinks it is, literally for like the rest of the story. He dies as like a 91-year-old man in like the early 2000s. And then because this is like the first hijacking that ever, like first plane hijacking that really ever happened, it's part of all these stories that kind of pop up. And it was also unique at the time because they couldn't figure out how to prosecute him. Mm -hmm. Like, did he die in this county? But he's flying. Is he in this county? Like all the prosecutors oh. were arguing over who was going to be the one yeah. to take on the case. So finally one prosecutor's like, you know what? The plane landed here. That's where the body was. I'm going to prosecute him. He makes the deal with the wife. The guy finally like, Larry's like, okay, it was me. He confesses, takes the deal. People are like looking into social security records. So where it says when he died and what city he died in. Yeah. And they're like, there's no prison in that town. <gasps> How did and they trace it back? He only did 20 years and he was pardoned and sent out on good behavior. He became a pilot again. No. He had a whole nother wife. What? He had a whole nother family. What? And that's the story. Oh my God. Of Larry Pletcher. <laughs> that's insane. Oh my god. I'm worried about these planes going over now. Like, yeah. mm, I'm watching you. He's oh out there. God. Jackie, great tie. Great story. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Yay. Give it up for Jackie. Woo! Thank you, everybody. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break. Uh, the next cocktail we're going to do is Paradise in the Desert. It's so very So if you want to go try that, it's super good. Um, it has, like, coconut and pineapple. Like, you'll feel like you're on a beach somewhere. And we'll see you in about 15, 10. We'll play by ear. We'll be here. Hey, guys. We are going to actually take a break message for you. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that break uh, message. Uh, uh. Um, we are going to talk about t-shirts i love t-shirts do you every day t-shirts every day oh yeah jackie what's your favorite kind of t-shirt i like a t-shirt with a story well i have the t-shirt for you 
the KCP, aka the Killer Cocktails Podcast t-shirts. On the back, they say where the drinks are stiff and the bodies are stiffer. They're rad. We've worn them in a couple of our Instagram posts. Yeah, and they're super comfy. Um, And we're doing this really cool contest right now. So the only way you could get a t-shirt is if you head over to our website, grab one of our stickers, and then what you're going to do is snap a fun, creative picture with the sticker. Okay. And that's whatever that means to you. And then you're going to share it on Instagram, and you're going to hashtag Killer Cocktails podcast and make sure you tag us in it too mm-hmm. and then you'll be entered into a contest to win one of these cool free t-shirts there's nothing better than a free shirt i feel like half my closet is free shirts uh-huh. and i love them twice as much because they were free yes yes because then you like earned it somehow. yes yes you earned that free <laughs> shirt <laughs> all right guys well we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode yeah and if you're enjoying the podcast Take a couple seconds, pop over to iTunes, throw on some stars. It really does help gain exposure to the podcast so other people can learn about it. It really does. And we love you for all your support. Thank you. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And we are at our first live show. Woo! This is the second story. We are in Madras. Madras, Madras, Oregon, right on the 97. Yeah, if you are making your way from Portland to Bend, to Bend to Portland, or if you're just kind of in this area... Uh, New Basin Distillery is right off the highway. Yeah. And that's where we at right now. It's like an hour outside Bend. I think it's a good, like, you're not quite there yet. If you're coming from Portland, pull over, take a stretch, walk yeah. around the parking lot, yeah. taste some, don't go crazy because you're obviously going to get back <laughs> in your car. Uh, but check it out. It's really rad. Yeah. Rick's super nice and Josh is their bartender and they'll hook you up. They have some fantastic cocktails that they make with balsamic like vinegar. It's crazy town. It is. And it's not you're like your salad dressing balsamic. <laughs> It's like flavored balsamic. It's super good. So we are drinking the Paradise in the Desert. So you have your first cut vodka, which is New Basin um, vodka. You have your coconut and pineapple balsamic lemonade and like a fresh lemon and bada boom, bada bam. Yeah. It's a good cocktail. It's really good. It's like the tropics in a glass. Without all the like heavy cream. Like we did pina coladas not that long ago. And there, (laughs) see, I don't think, I, I really like the pina colada. I don't yeah. order it very often, but because it's so thick and heavy. Um, but this kind of gets you to the same place, and it's not like that yeah. at all. I would definitely say their cocktails are like a little bit more low calorie, a little bit mm-hmm. healthier version. I would say for sure. Um, this is now my new favorite summer cocktail. I've had Kimry make get out of here, me, gin like, buck, every time I go to her house uh, since we've had this. Um, so, a little bit about their vodka. It's called uh, First Cut Vodka. Do you know why? I do not know why. Okay, so Rick used to have this partner who was a cattle rancher. And so on the ranch, they would be like, yo, my ranch hand, can you go? (laughs) Yo, ranch hand. (laughs) I'm sure that's how they speak. Uh, I've been there. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, They're like, hey, go get the first cut. And they're like, what? But no, they know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they would what they would do is they'd go out and they'd get the best cow out of the whole herd. So first cut vodka, it's the best vodka oh. out of the whole herd. Yeah. I like it. A little trivia for you guys. There you go. Um, all right. I'm going to jump into my story. Here we go. And I kind of warned Jackie before. I think she might know this story because I found out about it and couldn't stop talking about it. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you guys about John McAfee. We have not really talked about this. No? You told me to watch the documentary. I have not watched it. Oh, you, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, now I don't... I, okay. All I know is anti... Okay. That, oh, that's oh, all okay. I know. So John McAfee. It might be tickling your brain a little bit. McAfee, McAfee. Okay, here we go. 
So John was born on September 18th in 1945. That makes him 73 years old right now. He's old. Okay, so he was born in England, uh, but he grew up in Virginia. He's English. Yeah, yeah, but oh. like born there, grew okay. up in Virginia. Right. Uh, he has no siblings. Um, John later claims that his father was an alcoholic and he was physically abusive to him. Okay. Um, his John, uh, his John, his father ended up committing suicide when he was really young. Um, so John goes off to college. He becomes a computer engineer. He moves to Silicon Valley in the late 1986. It's booming. We got computers. Um, and so the internet's a thing and computers are starting to get these things called viruses. And like, this is the first time you're seeing this kind of malicious yeah, software yeah, yeah. on a computer. And so John was the first one to be like, ah, I see what they did to program that. I know how to counteract that. And that's how McAfee antivirus was born. Hmm. And so he get, becomes huge. He's like all over the news and people are like, oh my God, like I should get this for my computer. That was like computer. the software. Yeah, yeah. So like specific viruses started coming out. Like there's this one called the Michael Angelo virus. It's gonna hit your computers. Get your antivirus yes. now. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's like yeah. Y2K. So Well, and everyone's just ripping music and being crazy pirates. <laughs> like that is in the heyday of Napster. Yeah. So everyone's just like giving each other all sorts of viruses. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so at this point, <laughs> McAfee has like a monopoly on it, essentially. They, yeah. they own like 67% of the market. Um, and so he has a really small workforce. It's mainly friends and family. Okay. And it becomes kind of like a cult. Everybody wants to make John happy. They're staying like three days overnight at the office. And it kind of becomes like a Wolf of Wall Street kind of situation oh. to the point where... They started this game where you'd get points depending on where you could have sexual relations in the office. Oh. Yes. Um, that kind of atmosphere. Um, so anyways, <laughs> everyone calls John like brilliant, but he's also paranoid. Yeah. Because, you know, he saw the virus thing coming. Like, you know, he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. one step ahead. He's, he's enigmatic. So he's in Silicon Valley and he's like, you know what? Ugh, I'm bored. I want to do something else. So his partners buy him out and he makes millions and he leaves Silicon Valley and he like heads to Colorado and he buys 280 acres of just beautiful forest. He just forest. wants a plot of land. Yeah. Okay. The mountains are right there and he builds this huge mansion out there and he starts this like yoga retreat and he becomes this like guru of sorts and he starts inviting people to stay and they're staying for free and like he's taking care of them and they're doing yoga and I don't know other cool stuff and again he starts that cult like culture Okay. And everybody's like infatuated with him. And he starts like writing yoga books. He wrote five. Yeah, and you can you could get them today if you <laughs> want. Um, so he's doing that for a couple of years and again, he gets bored. And then he's like, well, people are just taking advantage of me. Like, uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So this is also during like when the recession hits. Okay. So it's kind of like at the same time, he's like deciding to switch gears here. So he has to like, sell the mansion because he's losing tons of money okay and like this auctioneer comes in and he's like starting to like who, yabbity, 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 yabbity. who wants this plate how about this fork and like they're like every little item is being auctioned, oh, auctioned just off watching it all mm -hmm. yeah okay. so he takes all that money and he's like i want to do something else what should i do so he moves to belize which is my tie <laughs> to the paradise in the desert because i would say in some parts of Belize, it's paradise. Yes. yes. Oh, Belize. Oh, my God. Oh, Belize. 
Um, okay, so he's down there. He's starting to reinvent himself again. He gets these awful frosted tips. Like, it's 2010. What are you doing? It's, it's done. Like, that was, like, 90s going into so early. I was so into that, though, when it was a thing. I <laughs> oh, loved. All the boy bands I had it. I loved yeah. boys oh, with frosted gross. tip hair. Okay, so he goes to San Pedro, uh, which is in Belize, and he builds this huge mansion again, like, right on the waterfront property. And he starts bringing friends down there. They're having a great, great time. They're spending tons of money. The locals love them because their economy's bo- uh, booming. And he starts donating to the local police department. Oh. Yeah. And he's, like, giving them tons of tasers and, like, guns and, like, bulletproof vests and, like, vehicles. And he donates, like, a million. Can they just take baguettes to another country? Yeah. Seems Seems like a recipe for disaster. Seems like a bribe. Okay. So he donates a $1 million boat to the Coast Guard after he gets, like, residency. Dang. Um, but you know, it's, it's cool. I it's feel not, like a million dollar boat is a boat. It's like a yacht. Yeah. Right? Okay. But like, I feel like he could have donated to schools or I don't know, something. I feel like that's not going to be in line with whatever's next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Come on, John. Okay. So John's down there and he's like, this is my paradise because there's no regulations on business. So he starts like this biotech lab down there called Quorum Sensing and like is he cloning people. God, I hope not. <laughs> That'd be awful. Um, so he's down there, and he's, like, wanting to build this lab, and then he meets this, like, new, like, Harvard graduate um, down there, and her name's Dr. Allison um, Adenzil. And he's like, you know what? I feel like you'd be perfect for my lab. I think, we, like, our our thought process aligns. Yeah. Let's, let's go into business together. And so they start doing this, or supposedly they're starting to uh, create this brand new technique for creating uh, antibiotics. And like they're using the jungle foliage and like putting that into beakers and making magic. Um, And so at this point, they're still living on the beach and there's no separate lab. So she has to live in his mansion. So she's starting to see all this shady stuff going down. Okay. Okay. So again, he's living in San Pedro. He's getting bored. He's like, what should I go do next? So a couple uh, towns over in Carmelita, he's like, I'm going to build another house. I'm going to buy these 22 acres. And he starts hiring a ton of people around town. He hires like over 100 people from the nearby town. And he starts like paying for people's water and electricity. He's trying to become like yeah. mayor essentially or more than that. And so Wonka. Wonka. <laughs> um, and it's crazy because People around that town were making like $25 a day, and he was paying $45 a day, so people were like clamoring yeah. to get up there. Um, so well, and they're going to turn an eye, and they're not going to question exactly, some of the crazy. Yeah. Put some butter on that biscuit. and <laughs> <laughs> That's a saying. <laughs> so on this new property, he, he builds like an actual lab, and they like look really legit, and they start having reporters come down, and they're like, yeah, look at all this crazy stuff that we're inventing. And Allison's like, uh, bro, like, we haven't found anything. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. This is what you have to do to get investors. We're, we're fibbing a little bit. Yeah, Here, yeah, yeah. put this blue food coloring in this beaker and it's hold little, it up. It's a little white yeah. lie. It, like, the pictures are so funny because they're just like, oh, yeah, it's microscope. <laughs> like, yeah. you can Google these pictures yes, and see them? Yes, they're crazy. Um, so, and, oh, so 
she thinks he, that's what he, uh, she thinks that's what he's telling reporters like we're not quite there but we're getting there but she hears a recording of him being like no we have invented a spray on like antibiotic and okay. like she was like no like i don't like i don't feel good about this mm-hmm. and so well, if you're like truly into this like the scientific community is very serious mm-hmm. about yeah you want to be credible stuff out there yeah so in the meantime, John is just getting more and more paranoid because he's flashing money around. Um, so he's like, I feel like people are coming after me. So he starts hiring security guys. And he's like finding guys around town who have like these huge criminal records that can't get jobs anywhere else. Yeah. And he's giving them machine guns. You look like a bad dude. I want you to walk around with me. Yeah. What could go <laughs> wrong? Um, and so he's like rolling 12 deep with armed guards. All day. Oh, I could do this all day. Um, and so, again, he starts forming this cult. Uh, he gives them uniforms. He's giving them tasers. He he's, sounds very charismatic. Oh, yeah. Like, when you see him talk, he's a lunatic. But, like, when you <laughs> see him talk, I could see it. Um, and so then he starts putting a curfew on the town. Like, he's like, if you live in this town, you have to be home by 8 p.m. And then he just as this rich man, and then him and his cronies would come through the streets and like patrol. And if you were out of your house, like you get in trouble. He's trying to stop crime. Yeah. In his own. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. He thinks he's Batman. <laughs> you know he thinks I'm he's Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, he even opens his own like police station, and he puts his own guys. And he's like off his rocker. Okay, so we're gonna go back to Allison. Allison's finally like, John, I've had enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. And John's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, here, have, have this orange juice. You look parched. How about you just... Does this rag smell like chloroform? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, she remembers flashes of it, um, but essentially... Dude. Uh, uh, yeah. So essentially John assaults her that night. Um, and she ends up getting up the next morning, confronting him again. He loses his shit. And uh, she has to run into the lab, barricade herself. And he's like outside with a gun being like, you have to like get out here. And she's like emailing her father, like, come get me. I need help. And as soon as she hits send, he like cut the power to the whole like property. It's panic room. It's, it's a panic room. <gasps> um, and so anyways, she gets away. She gets back to the States. She goes to the FBI and they're like, Ugh, we don't have any say down there. Like, Seems like a lot of trouble. We can't help you. Um, so again, back to John, he is losing it. He's saying that he has, like, someone has tried to kill him or, like, attempted to kidnap him 11 times. Okay. He's like, all right, John. He's getting really paranoid. Yeah. Um, and then this guy, uh, in town is like, you know what? John thinks he's untouchable. I'm going to break into his house. Oh, like it's a dare almost. Yeah. And so this guy, David Middleton, breaks into John's house. John finds out, and he's like, no, I need this guy to be taught a lesson. So he gets his cronies to go find David. They chase him out into the forest, and um, they end up cutting his face with a steak knife and tasering it, like tasered him all over his body and just beat him up to, it it was so bad. And so they end up bringing David to John, and John says his little spiel, like, I'm the captain now. Yeah, yeah. They take David into the middle of the town and they like push him out of the car and like drive off and like the people in the town grab him, take him to the hospital. Okay. Um, and he dies. Um, so David's friend uh, Eddie, aka Mac Ten, because when you piss off Eddie, he comes with you at a Mac t- with a Mac Ten, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, it's a machine pistol, in case anyone's wondering. Um, he was good friends with David, and so he's like, you know what, John. You've gone too far. You've gone too far. You're on my list. 
But again, John's like, hey, well, why don't you join my side? And so Eddie goes to work for John. Um, so again, John is living this crazy lifestyle. He has a ton of girlfriends. They are underage. Oh. Uh, he has about five to six of them on the property. Um, they, they usually come from broken homes. So like something happened where they had, had to stop going to school. So he's like, I'll pay for your school. Like if you just come live with me mm. and he starts paying them like $900 a day. Yeah. Um, and John has a particular fetish, which if you want to know it later, I'll tell you after. <laughs> I don't want to say it, say it right now, uh, but we'll chat after because I thought it was interesting. <laughs> um, so Does he like being tickled? <laughs> oh my God. Sidebar. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the documentary Tickled, I still haven't seen it. It is crazy. It's this, there's this whole underground world of competitive tickling, <laughs> but it's so much more than that. It is crazy. I don't, yeah, it sounds weird. She refuses to watch it because she can't stand being tickled. Ugh. <laughs> um, okay, so John is going crazy, and he thinks he's the captain, but then 42 soldiers come to his house, and they're like, no, John, we're we're checking your shit. And yeah. so they go through, they raid his house and they find all this stuff that looks like he's been making meth or cocaine and such. But okay. when they test it, it doesn't come back positive for anything. He's so, making baking soda. So they, <laughs> I just love to bake muffins. Yeah. No. Uh, so they have to let him go. And so he's like, ah, I'm getting too hot here. I'm going to go back to San Pedro. And, but he's bringing his armed guards with him. Okay. He's bringing his girls with him. He's bringing his like crazy, like wild dogs yeah. with him. And he's like on this beachfront property, but this is like a tourist town. You're not in this tiny little town anymore. Okay. You're in the hubbub of everything. And the tourists are like, no, what? No, like your I'm dogs are curfew. And yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so one neighbor in particular had like a beef with John. So his name is Greg Fowl and he was... Like, if you imagine John's house up here to the north, uh, uh, Greg's is, like, 600 feet south. So it's, like, yeah, really close. And Greg is retired, and all he wants to do is, like, build houses in his free time and is sell those. Is he president of the HOA? Is this going to be <laughs> an HOA fight? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Um, but Greg just wants to walk down the beach to the local beach bar mm -hmm. and, like, have a couple cocktails. I get it. It's the dream. And <laughs> walk back. But he can't because these dogs are on the beach and they're like lightweight attacking people and they're just really okay. aggressive. Yeah. So he goes over to John's house. He's like, dude, can you get your dogs under control? And John's like, choo, choo, get off my property. And Greg's like, okay, okay, okay. So he leaves and he's like, you know what? I'm going to have to poison these dogs. Oh, zero um, to 60. Hmm? Zero to 60. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there's other stuff I'm <laughs> yeah. missing in here. Um, and then a couple of days later, the dogs are poisoned. Okay. And John loses, loses it. it. And he goes to one of his buddies. And he's like, hey, put $5,000 in Eddie's account. That's that guy from earlier. Yeah. Mac 10? Mac 10. Because he uses a Mac 10. <laughs> okay. Um, and then around 4 a.m., John calls his friend to come pick him up down by this local shop that's like 600 feet another south, like from Greg's house. Okay. Just randomly at 4 a.m., I was out for a stroll. No reason. <laughs> I love the moon. <laughs> uh, so his friend drives John back to the house. And um, so the next day, Greg is found dead Ooh. in his living room. Uh, the door is open. 
the TV is on. Um, he has been killed execution style to the back of the head. He has taser marks all over his body. Uh, they find a hair sample and a part of a fingernail in Greg's hair at the scene. Nothing else is disturbed except like someone had clearly fingernail? someone had clearly moved to his body because there's blood smears. Okay. Um, by the way, this is semi-graphic. Okay. Um, so immediately, police are like, "It's John. Yeah. Like he has a reputation around here. Like, let's take him in." But the only thing is, is Belize does not have a DNA testing lab. Okay. So they have all this forensic evidence, but they can't do anything with it. There's no rich guy to like send it off to a lab. <laughs> and hence, and hence. And so, and like to this day, I'm pretty sure to this, or like, at least until like the documentary was made, Belize has never been able to convict anyone by forensic evidence. It's got to be like witness testimony? Witness and confessions. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Dang. Uh, so again, John is all over the news, but this time like worldwide. Yeah, I kind of remember that part of it. Yeah, so he goes on the run, and um, he's like he makes his way down to Guatemala like illegally, and he starts wearing these crazy disguises. Like, but they're not good disguises. He's like putting <laughs> baby powder in his hair. He's like, oh, I'm old, and he has like a hat and a cane, <laughs> and he like brings a, a reporter down to come like meet him, and they do this wild like the reporter gets off of the plane, and someone meets him there, and they do like a little code word, and he gets in a cab, and then they get out of the cab and get in another cab, and then Ooh. they like get to John, and the reporter was like obviously this was John in a really bad like disguise <laughs> but I don't want to say that because I don't want John to run away yeah so he's like oh okay I won't say anything they get in the room John comes bursting in takes off the hat and cane and like dusts his hair he's like haha it was me the whole time and the reporter was like oh <laughs> you fooled me you old so-and-so um, <laughs> um so yeah, all that happened. And then also Vice came down to interview him. And, like, he's just super conceited. And so Vice takes a picture, and it, they upload it to their website, not realizing that there's GPS location attached to that photo. Oh. And so the police were like, boop, gotcha. gotcha. And so they go, they arrest him, which is so funny because he's, like, a tech guru, apparently. Yeah, yeah okay. So, um, so... They're like, we're going to deport you back to Belize so you can get tried for mm -hmm. the murder. Um, and he gets, uh, his, one of his girlfriends comes along and she's like, my uncle is a lawyer here. Like, he will help defend you. And so the lawyer tells him, listen, I can put an appeal in for your uh, deportation, but I can't file it until 3 p.m. And John's like, on it. Oh my God, my heart. Oh, oh, oh. And he, he like fakes a heart attack, gets taken to the hospital. And as soon as he sees the clock get to 3 p.m., he's like, I'm okay. I feel, I feel a lot better. I, ooh, I don't know what happened, but uh, take me back to my jail, jail cell. I'm like, I'm good. And so the reason why they did that is because with their law, because of that appeal, he wouldn't be able to, uh, he couldn't get deported back to Belize for 15 years. So Guatemala is like, I'm not going to keep you for 15 years. Oh, so we'll just put you back to the USA. Goodbye, John. Huh. So John goes to uh, Florida in like 2012, and he starts doing tons of interviews again. He's like, they're after me. Like, I'm innocent, blah, blah, blah. And he meets this gal in Florida who uh, was a sex worker. And they fall in love, and they get married, and they go live in Portland for a little bit. 
<laughs> Shout out to Portland. Um, <laughs> and fast forward a little bit. In 2016, if anyone remembers that presidential uh, race, John mm. ran for the Libertarian Party. Oh, well, I kind of remember that. He was like, cybersecurity, we have to get back on it. John McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he actually made the top three candidates. For the Libertarians? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. Um, and so... Um, he becomes like the CEO of a couple other like technology companies in the meantime. He gets super into like cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. Um, Getting his McMinimins passport stamped. <laughs> yes. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> um, and so he actually, um, this year, March 2019, he is found guilty for damages for the murder of, uh, murder of Greg. And he's ordered to pay the family $25 million. Dang. But John tweeted... I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And he has tons of other lawsuits coming after him, and he's, like, not paying him. And in case you're wondering who to vote for in the presidential election in 2020, (laughs) John McAfee is running again. He'll be running. All right. So look out for that. Um, But he is technically in exile right now for tax evasion, so he's doing all of his campaigning from a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's the ridiculous story of John McAfee. If that's you crazy. have the time, go check out the documentary Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee on Netflix. It's crazy. There's so much more that I'm that man has done. All right, I'll watch yeah. it. So yeah, that's that. Crazy. Yeah. He's, Way to go he's, touched, yeah. he's touched part of our lives. <laughs> like he's been on my computer. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, this has been really an episode it. with uh, Killer Cocktails, our first live show. Hopefully not our last. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see you after the show. Yeah, if you liked what you saw, we've got some stickers for sale. I think they're about four bucks. Uh, they're going to go towards new microphones because these ones are not ours. These ones we borrowed. <laughs> yeah, the ones we have are not, are not as legit. So. Yeah. But thank you guys so much. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs>